Well, we have a special guest that I want to introduce in a minute, but before we do that, I want to remind you of a couple things. The first thing is our holiday project is in full swing. And if you remember what that is, we have 115 under-resourced families that we want to help this holiday season to have a great holiday. So as you leave today, if you could stop in the lobby, they've got a board out there with cards on it. You can take a card and you can think about buying some clothing or games or, or food or whatever it is on that card, and that would really help for them to have a great holiday. Another thing I want you to know about is uh, Pastor John's books are here by the library. We have two of his books. The publisher was generous enough to let us have them at cost and to pass them along to you at cost. So if you want to check out those books, stop by the library today and do that. Well, we do have a special guest, and I want to invite him to come out and join us right now. <clears throat> Thank you. Please be seated. They haven't even finished the offering yet. Come on, man. <laughs> Got you know, gone six weeks and they're standing while the offering's taken. So let's make sure we get that taken care of. Uh, boy, we've missed you guys, uh, but we've had a great six weeks since we've been gone. I'm um, able to finish. We finished the book. We're doing the, the video shoot this week. It's going to tell the Connection Point story. So that part will be finished. Hopefully in February or so we'll have that, which will be a fun thing. Had a chance to visit family from out of town. And, uh, and then for, for the first few days on one of our vacations, I just kind of did this little thing, you know. And my wife said, I kind of like that. Keep that going. I'm going, well, this is kind of a pain, but as long as she likes it, this is happening. That's just the way it's going to be. It's totally her call, 41 years. Who is this woman? I don't know who she is. But uh, she's go, she's, oh, that's where we are. But um, I really came today for one very specific purpose and privileged purpose. And that's to introduce to you today the next uh, under-shepherd or lead pastor of this congregation, uh, John Dickerson. Uh, it really is a privilege and honor to do that. This is a, represents the baton of leadership. There's only one chief shepherd of the church. As you sit in the point right now, in the center, the lobby, as you sit online and watch this later this week, uh, there's only one chief shepherd, one, only one head of the church. His name is Jesus Christ. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You just heard the song, Great is Thy Faithfulness. You can take it to the bank. He'll always be there. But God does provide under-shepherds who are to lead the flock, follow me as I follow Christ. And so I happen to be, I was the founding pastor of this church. It's a 180-year-old church this, this year. <laughs> I work out a lot, all right, uh, and lie. Uh, <laughs> but the deal is I just had the chance to carry this for about 31 years, and it's been just one handoff from another, and that's how God wants that. And so it's, it's, I, I, it's just, we had to make it possible to be here today to be able to hand this off to the next under-shepherd of this church. This is the most loving church I know of. And not, I know I don't come up too objective at that, but I hear it from other people who come from the outside all the time. You guys really are the church. It was the vision. The Lord said, they'll know you're my disciples by your, your love. You are known for your love. If this church left this community, the community would notice it. They'd miss the light and the love of this church. So it's not surprising, is it, that our chief shepherd would provide a, a man who has a heart full of love. It oozes out of his heart and his words and his life. He loves the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, he loves God's word. He loves his family, his wife and his, their three children together. Um, he loves 
the Lord's people, the church, and he has a real heart for those in his generation, particularly the millennials who are walking away from the church in droves. He walked away for a season. If you haven't read his books yet, do, you need to do yourself a favor and read them. You'll get to know his heart, how he himself raised in the church. He walked away. He had, to, it had become a firsthand faith for him. And so he is just the guy for such a time as this to lead this church. And so you know how to welcome people here, right? Connection Point Christian Church, would you give the kind of welcome you know how to give to our new pastor, John Dickerson. Here you go, baby. Amen. 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 You may have a seat. John would like to preach today, so if you all don't mind. I was just pointing out some concerns for him as he begins <laughs> his ministry. He and I will be doing that weekly, by the way. So I will be telling on you, but it'll just be me and him and Jesus who only will know about that. And so we have already had lunch, lunches and conversations. We Friday talking about just looking forward to the journey. I'm looking forward to learning as a, as a, as a writer. I'm a family of writers, but this guy is so gifted as a researcher and a writer. So I'm looking forward to learning about the writing and publishing industry through him uh, and, and maybe what it's like to minister in a community like this. And dude, I have like warned you like four times. And Friday I said, are you, John, are you sure that you want to do this? <laughs> Before I give you the baton, so you have one last opportunity, no pressure. <laughs> I'll just drop it and we'll just walk off right now. If you want to do that. Go, okay. go, get, go get a meal together. Yeah, let's do that, yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know this congregation. You already love this congregation. They already love you. If you haven't looked on the website, you'll, you'll learn about John and his family quickly, and you'll learn to love him quickly. So it really is my privilege to hand you this baton. As under shepherds, you follow the Lord Jesus Christ and lead him for years to come. Uh, when I was given the privilege to introduce him today, there was the verse of scripture that just, I knew there was a verse I had to share. And it comes out of 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32. It says, from the tribe of Issachar, there were 200 leaders of the tribe with their relatives. And all these men understood the signs of the times and knew the best course for Israel to take. Other translations say, he, they understood the times. He, this is an Issachar, and I'm really glad your parents named you John and not Issachar, by the way. Yeah, you and me both. It's a lot easier to say, you know. But um, I really, this, this verse does describe the kind of guy God has sent here. Again, he was a journalist before he was really was called to be a pastor. And now that God would use that ability to research thoroughly, to understand and to interpret data, but then to know the course to take. To know what to do. It's one thing to know the times. He knows the times of our generation and the emerging generation much better than I do, but he also knows what we should do because he's a man of God committed to the word of God in this post-truth culture. So for such a time as this, 
We are so honored that God has sent you to us. And he's from the Midwest originally, but he's been in California. So put that together. God had to send a missionary from California to you guys. <laughs> Think about that. I'll just let you chew on that and do whatever you want with that. But the truth is, he sought us out from California. That when we say God sent him here, that's what we mean. So if you would extend your hands toward John in the point, the center, the lobby, online this week, I want to pray over John, his family, Connection Point family, as he begins his journey with you together this weekend. Oh, Lord God, great is your faithfulness. You are so reliable. You are the head of the church. And like we know that, but we've seen so many churches that somehow lose their way. They get off track. They stop carrying the baton that you've given them to carry, which is the very word of God and the life of God and the love of God. There are churches that focus on truth and churches that focus on love, but very rarely do they really speak the truth in love and live it out. This church does that. That's who this church is. And it's who John is. That's what he does. God, thank you for this man who has such a heart for you and is his faith that he was raised in the church. He had this season where he had to, had to search deeply and become a firsthand faith and now she sensed your, your clear call to teach the word of God to the people of God and the culture afar from God. Lord, empower him to speak boldly as he knows in his heart the times and what we need to do. Thank you, God, for the love that he has for his wife, Mel, and uh, how she as well is so devoted to you and to him. Thank you, God, for, for Zoe and for Jack and for Evie. And what a big move from California. And Lord, I just pray that this church is, will look forward to just loving on the Dickersons when they arrive and welcome them to Brownsburg. And this will be their home. And this will also be their family. And so thank you out in advance for the way that you're going to nurture their family. My family experienced it. I know what they're in for. And so God, thank you in advance for this church family loving on them and this church becoming who you want them to be now and in the future as you keep connecting people to you those who know you, who've been away from you and are far from you, use this man as your under-shepherd to be faithful that one day we all may receive the crown of life. We pray and with great gratitude through Christ. Everybody said, amen. 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 Thank you. Well, Connection Point, I cannot tell you how excited I am to finally meet you. I have been praying for all of you since July when I learned about you, and I know that many of you have been praying for me since before then. Uh, before you knew my name or knew my family, you were praying for who God would bring here. And I want to say thank you for your prayers. I've had such a fun time getting to know first your elders, and then getting to know Steve and Kristen, and then getting to know the senior staff and the rest of the staff. And I hope you have a sense of how special this church is. Do you guys, do you guys get that? Uh, not all buildings that have the word church on them are like this. Not all of them are a place where people are actually meeting each other's needs and serving with their gifts. This is an actual community of believers defined by your love for each other. And I, I just am so, so honored at the thought of joining your tribe. You know, in the last week, I've gotten to meet a few dozen of you in some different gatherings. And I want to tell you just a few stories that won't surprise you but to me are very definitive of what Connection Point's all about. Uh, I met a man who's been here for about 15 years now, heavily invested in serving, but he came here not as a believer. He came here because he was going through a divorce. 
And he came here to the divorce care ministry and you all put your arms around him. And when his life was falling apart, you all held him together and you all loved him to Jesus and he became a believer. And as he started serving here with his gifts, God brought him a new immediate family. But he said, even more than that, God's given me a family in this church and I know his story's represented in many more of you. I met a young couple who had gone through a number of miscarriages and just deeply grieving and, and battling with infertility. And they came here because someone from, from you all invited them to come in out of the community, come into this lighthouse and be healed and loved and warmed. And as they experienced your love, they found the love of Christ and now they know Christ and now they're part of this family. I talked to a gentleman who said, I'd never been in a church before in my life. And I said I would never go, but someone from Connection Point kept inviting me. And one week I came in and I had never heard the word of God before. And I'd never heard it taught like that. And now he's here with his wife. They've been here for about 15 years. I met two people who said they didn't use the word prodigal, but they said essentially I was raised as a Christian. I left the faith, didn't plan to ever go back. But the people from Connection Point loved me back. One guy said, I could not escape their love. Well, those dozens of people I met, I know that they represent thousands of people who have similar stories. Many of you who have that story. And it's because of you all that this is happening. And it's because of Pastor Steve and his love and his leadership. I thought it'd be good for us just at the start of our time. Can we celebrate that together? That this is a special church where lives are actually changing. Let's celebrate that. It's been a real blast getting to know the staff. So I served as a senior pastor for about seven years. And for the last couple years, I've served as a teaching pastor in a church that's almost identical to this size. Uh, so I've taught weekend services like this about half the weekends. And I sat on a staff as a staff member in a staff almost the same size as this. So about a week ago, I was out here to meet the staff and their spouses. And I walked into that meeting knowing what it's like to sit where they sit and thinking, you know, there's probably some who will be nice, but there's going to be some who kind of have their arms crossed. Like, who's this skinny nerd? Who's this guy from California? Is he some kind of liberal? <laughs> Which I'm not, by the way. <laughs> so I walked into that meeting thinking, you know, here's it going amazingly well. Here's it going terrible. And, you know, humanly, it's probably going to go right in the middle. So, Lord, I know you've called me to this. The elders are sure. Steve's sure. I'm sure. But just, you know, no matter how it goes, God, keep me strong. Well, I went in there expecting it to go right in the middle here, and it just went over the top. I mean, God just knit our hearts together right from the beginning. We were laughing together, crying together, praying together, and that also is because of you and your prayers. It's because of the great leadership that this church has, and it's especially because of God. Uh, in that time, I, I told a story about an embarrassing moment in ministry. And they all really enjoyed it. And one of them said, you should tell this to the whole church. And I said, isn't that story like a little bit across the line for church? They said, oh no, not at Connection Point. <laughs> they said, you haven't even approached the line at Connection Point. 
So I said, all right, I'll tell it. And I don't know if they're playing a practical joke on me or not. So we'll find out in the end here, okay? So when I was just starting out um, as a pastor, God called me this little church of about 40 people. And after about a year, it had grown to a hundred and some people. I was standing up there preaching. I really hadn't preached a lot when I started as a pastor. And I was preaching and God just brought this verse to my mind from the book of Psalms where it says, he knows our frames that were but dust. Because I was teaching about how limited we are and how powerful God is. And, and for some reason in the moment, the way the verse came out was this, he knows our frames that we are but dust. <laughs> and that is exactly what the people did. They laughed at me. And I had to spend the rest of that message just staring at the wall because anytime I would make eye contact, I would just bust out laughing myself. I love it that that story's not across the line at Connection Point. I love that. I love it that this is a church of real people who are honest about their real struggles and who have real joy. This is a place of joy, isn't it? You know, these, these defining traits of love and joy, these are fruits of the Spirit. Um, when you place your faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside you and you have a reservoir of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness that doesn't come from your own disposition. Meaning when there's times where I wouldn't be loving, I can because of the Holy Spirit and the same is true for you. And I love it that this place is defined by the joy of the Lord because God's people should be the happiest people, right? Because we've been made right and we know the creator of the universe and we know our purpose and we know who we are and we also know where we're going. Well, I did my undergraduate in journalism and um, right out of my undergrad, started working as a journalist. I started attending seminary, getting a master's degree in the Bible just because I'm a nerd and I, I wanted to, you know, learn some of the ancient languages and study the Bible, but I grew up a pastor's kid and I vowed I would never be a pastor. You know, I'll go to seminary, but I'm not going to be a pastor. But that season as a journalist was really definitive for two reasons. And, and the first is this, for about five years, I got to sit right where you're sitting. I was part of a really large and really loving church out in Scottsdale, Arizona, but I know what it's like to work a demanding job and to have a normal life and be part of a church and to sit where you're sitting. And also in that season, it was really definitive because God allowed me to have a front row seat to humanity. And here's what I mean. There would be weeks as a reporter where I'd be assigned, uh, go profile a heroin addict. And I would spend a week hanging out with heroin addicts who were selling their bodies on the street and who were down to 80 or 90 pounds dying from their addiction, just heartbreaking. I'd have weeks where I'd get assigned, uh, go talk to this family whose um, child drowned in their backyard pool. Go talk to, you know, victims of crimes, victims of abuse, victims of fraud. And then I'd, I'd go from doing a story like that and I'd often be assigned, now go do a profile of Emmett Smith or an NFL athlete. Now go do a profile of this millionaire or this billionaire. And you know what I saw from the lowest of humanity to the highest of humanity? I saw that this book, the word of God, it is true when it describes our condition. It's true when it describes that no amount of success or fame or money can fill what is empty in the human heart. It's true when it describes that there's something broken inside of us that only Jesus can fix. And I saw that over and over again. I saw that the millionaires and billionaires were often just as empty as the heroin addicts. And the professional athletes were just as unsettled as the people who were grieving the loss of a loved one. 
I saw that this word is true when it says every person is made in the image of God and so they're eternally valuable and they should be dignified and yet every person is broken by this thing that God calls sin and there's only one solution for it, the message of Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross in our place and he came to fix what's broken in humanity. I met governors and congresspeople and senators and I saw that as hard as they try to make laws to point humans in the right direction, they are powerless to change the human heart. There's only one power that can do that. It's the power of God expressed at the cross. Only he can fix the deepest need in the human condition. And I also saw being part of a church a lot like your church that it's true when Jesus said when he left this earth that he would leave a tangible physical presence of God on the earth, so tangible that he calls it the body of Christ, and it's the church. And God does not have a plan A, B, C, and D to fix this broken world. He just has a plan A, and it's you and me. It's the church. God led me with great urgency and deep conviction to this conclusion, that the church when it's actually connecting people to Christ, it is the solution for our broken world. The church, not just a building, not the word, but people doing what you all are doing, serving with our gifts, loving each other, being led by the word of God, being filled by the spirit and his fruits of love and joy. When we're actually connecting people to Christ, we are the only solution to a broken world because we're the conduit to get them back to their creator and their healer. And notice, we're not a solution. We, when we're connected to Christ and he's our leader, are the solution to a broken world. Well, sadly, not every building that says church on it is actually connecting people to Christ. And that's why, as I've gotten to know Connection Point, my heart has just leapt over and over again because this is a church that is the real deal. This is a place where people are actually being connected to Christ. And I hope you know how special that is, how unique that is. I hope those of you who have made it what it is will continue to serve with your gifts because it takes a whole body to be an actual biblical church. Well, I step onto this stage knowing that I follow a towering legacy, wouldn't you say? And Pastor Steve, I follow a lifetime of impact and I'm stepping into a massive tribe of God's people who have been led, who have been fed, and who have been protected by a loving shepherd who is also just a great leader. And after 31 years of such a powerful season under such a dynamic leader, I think it's really normal to ask, now what? I think it's really human and it's not unspiritual to ask this question, how do we possibly move forward from here? I mean, I know I feel like that. Stepping in after Steve, you can't top that. How do we possibly, and maybe you're wondering this today. I wonder if I could answer this question for you, not my opinion, but from the word of God, would you want to know God's answer to this question? Well, we're going to find it today in the book of Joshua. If you have your Bible, turn there with me to Joshua chapter 1. We'll also have it up on the screen here. Because, believe it or not, we're not the first people to ask this question. 
The text we're about to read is a group of people not too unlike us. They're God's people. They've been led by a dynamic leader named Moses. And for 40 years, Moses has led them. For 40 years, Moses has fed them. For four decades, if they wanted to hear from God, they would go and they would listen to Moses. And Moses was a great shepherd and a fantastic leader. And now Moses is off the scene. And God's appointing a new leader and, and that new leader, I know, is asking this question, how do I possibly follow Moses? And a lot of the people are wondering, there's no way anyone could do what Moses did. And so here's what God says directly to that new leader, Joshua, and recorded in the word of God to us. He says this, therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, my people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I'm giving them. Now, what is this land? That's the promised land. You see, there was a vision that God gave Moses to lead God's people to a promised land. And God used Moses to get them right up to the boundary, which was the Jordan River. But then Moses got called to heaven, and God says, my vision hasn't changed, and my leadership as God hasn't changed, but I'm going to change the human leader right as you all cross the river into the promised land. And God says this, he says, I promise you, speaking to Joshua, what I promised to Moses. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land that I have given you. And then God says this in verse five, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. Why not? Well, God says, for I will be with you. I will be with you just as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Those are powerful words from God, aren't they? Would you let those sink in? God says, I will be with you. I will not fail you or abandon you. That's God speaking. And really, I, I think in a sense, the text could end there. That's probably all the information we need. But God knows humans. And he knows that as powerful as those words are, we're still feeling a little insecure. We're still feeling a little unsure. We're still feeling a little unsettled. And so God continues and he says this in verse 6. He says, be strong and courageous. Don't let fear overtake you in a time of transition. You know, Scripture, it commands us at times to not be afraid, but Scripture never commands you to not feel afraid. You realize there's a difference between what you feel and what you do. And God never says to not feel afraid. Feeling afraid is, is human and it's normal. It's not unspiritual to feel afraid. What is spiritual is to say, as afraid as I feel, I'm going to cling to my God in faith and I will choose to not be paralyzed by fear. So I might not feel strong and courageous, but because of my faith in God who supplies all my needs, I will be strong and courageous. Because if he commanded me to, he's going to give me the power to. And this is what God is saying to his people. You might feel afraid, that's okay, but choose to be strong and courageous. And then God says, be careful to obey all the instructions that Moses gave to you. He says, be careful to obey all these instructions and do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. He says, then you'll be successful in everything you do. In other words, the word of God needs to remain the guide for what we do. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. 
So interestingly, not only know the word of God, but do the word of God. And then God brings a promise. If we'll keep the word of God our guide, he says, only then, when you obey the word of God, will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Third time God says it, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. It's okay to feel afraid and discouraged. That's okay. But don't let them overtake you, God says. Why not? Well, here's why. Because the Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. Our strength is found in the presence of God. And that's the first of three unchanging truths I want to give you from this text. The first is that God is our unchanging leader. God is our unchanging leader. That's what he said to Joshua. That's what he said to God's people then. It's what he says to us now. And it's a choice that we can make as individuals. When we go through times of transition in our lives, it's a choice we can make as a church in a time of transition to say, our chief shepherd, our unchanging leader is Christ. And no matter what might change humanly, that doesn't change. This is why Christ is described as the head of the church. A healthy church, Romans chapter 12 says, is one where every believer is using their spiritual gift. Every believer is contributing and doing something. And, and just like your body, every part works together. But the head, the brain, the leader is Christ. He's the head of the church. And human, quote, lead pastors or senior pastors will come and go. In fact, in a sense, all of us human lead pastors are interim lead pastors. Moses was an interim for 40 years. Joshua was an interim. And should God allow me to serve as your lead pastor for two or for three decades, there will be a day where I'll stand up on this stage, possibly with a goatee, <laughs> and I'll hand that same baton to the next Joshua, to the next generation, because the under-shepherds may change, but the chief shepherd remains the same and that person's job will be the same as steve's job and my job and that is to point to the chief shepherd to point to the true leader who is christ himself crucified for our sins you guys know that connection point turns 180 years old this year founded in 1837 so church we as a church we're older than ford motor company we're older than Coca-Cola. And I did a little research yesterday. Guess what? We're older than Ohio State University. Yeah. By 33 years. So I'm waiting for Steve. He's going to charge out and tackle me. I'm going to get blindsided. You know, human shepherds will come and go. Steve was number 35, and Lord willing, I will be the 36th. But what makes a human shepherd successful is if they point to the chief shepherd, if they serve as a connecting conduit, because only Christ can fix the human need. And what we exist for is to connect people to him. That's why I love it that when, when God gave Steve a vision to come up with a really visionary name for this church that really captures what it's all about, that God led Steve to call it Connection Point. Because that is the whole point of why we're here, is to connect people to Jesus and to each other. So it's true today, God's our unchanging leader. It was true for Joshua as he took the baton from Moses. 
And it's so interesting when you think about this story in Joshua that God gave the vision to Moses, but the vision ended up outliving Moses. And the vision came true, but God did a a change of leadership there at the Jordan River when he called the next generation to now carry the baton. Do you realize in a similar way that there is an unstoppable vision here? There's an unstoppable vision here that does not belong to any one person, but belongs to the King of Kings who said, I have a vision for Brownsburg. I have a vision for Avon. I have a vision for the greater Indianapolis area. In fact, I have a worldwide vision that will be unstoppable as long as my people will keep me the leader and my word as their guide. We get to claim God's promises in a new era. We get to cross that Jordan River. We get to claim that promised land. And you know what? We wouldn't be at the edge of this river if it wasn't for those faithful believers who've gone before us. But the vision hasn't changed. It's the same vision that God gave to them. And one of the things I love about this church, everyone asks me, you know, what do you plan to change? Well, I don't see anything that needs to change today. Because this is a healthy church. And just like that text said, we don't have to veer to the right or the left. We just got to keep going in the direction we're going. I just want to pour fuel on what's already going on here because this is a healthy church. Let's just keep this thing going. In fact, one of my biggest prayers before God is, God, help me to not mess this thing up. (laughs) Because this is really a special church. I I don't want to get in there and mess things up. Help me just teach your word well and love people and just let this thing keep trucking in the direction it's going. Well, uh, my kids and my wife are not here yet. We flew out once during the interview process, and if you have young kids or grandkids and you've flown across country on an airplane, you may understand the moment on the flight back when my wife and I vowed to each other, the next time we do this flight is when we're moving there. (laughs) So we haven't moved here yet, and this is Jack. He's eight, Zoe's five, Evie's three, my wife Mel. Uh, We just brought Evie home in March. We started adopting her when she was a week old from Haiti. Took about two and a half years. And Evie has just taken to our family like I can't describe. Uh, This year has been a year. There's a scripture that talks about God doing exceedingly and abundantly beyond what we could ask or imagine. Uh, And that's how it's been with Evie. We were prepared for a lot of difficulties and challenges. And that's part of being called to adopt. Sometimes that is the case. But in Evie's case, she has just taken to our family so well. All of the kids love each other, and we all can't imagine, I can hardly remember what life was like without her in our family. And that verse just describes this year so well, because I didn't know that it was going to be this year that God would call me back into a lead pastor role, but God has done exceedingly abundantly above what we could imagine in our family, and now the privilege of getting to bring my little ones here and join this tribe It is exceedingly and abundantly beyond what I could have asked or imagined. You know, when I first became a senior pastor, I kind of put on my old investigative journalist hat because I wanted to get a sense of how is the church doing in the United States. I did a bunch of research, and one of the things I found, one of the disturbing things I found is that there is a massive exodus of young people away from Christianity nationwide. In fact, here's the, here is the average right now across the United States for people about my age and younger. Two out of three. Two out of three who are raised in Bible-believing Christian homes. So if you imagine three young people you know who are Christians, two out of three right now 
are abandoning the faith between the ages of 18 and 29. Somewhere between when they leave for college, where often their faith is, is really attacked intellectually, and they're usually not prepared for that. Somewhere between college and their 30th birthday, 66%, two out of three, are abandoning the faith. That's the national average. I was doing that research project right when Jack was born, and I was praying for him, and I was praying knowing that as a dad, one of my first callings is to disciple and raise my family for Christ. And God gave me this little phrase in my mind as I prayed about, Lord, how do I raise my kids to not be the two and three who walk away? How do I raise them to be the one and three who will stay with you? And God gave me this, these words that we as the church, we are called to raise up a generation, to train a generation who will be warriors of grace and truth. Warriors of grace and truth who know that this world is not their home. Warriors of grace and truth who find all of their identity and their relationship to Christ. So as they go through their teen years and through their 20s and they're asking those universal human questions of who am I, identity, why am I, purpose, am I safe and secure, security. As they ask those universal questions that they will be so rooted in their relationship with Christ, both spiritually and intellectually, that they'll be warriors of grace and truth who know this world's not their home and who find all their identity, all their security, all their purpose in Christ. And we can send them out into a dark world, a world that's getting darker every day, smeared by racism and hatred and division, global unrest, societal unrest. And as the world gets darker, we're called to raise up a generation who will shine like stars in the darkness, who will shine the light of Christ. We're called to raise up a generation like that. I'm called to raise up a generation like that. And for me, a definitive moment in the interview process here was when all of us had flown out here. We were hanging out with your elders and their families. And, and one of your elders, Drew and his wife, Jen, their uh, early teenage daughters came and hung out with our little girls. And I was expecting from a, a lot of, you know, kids you see in the country, nothing wrong with technology or phones, but I was expecting these teenage daughters with these little five and three-year-old to just be on their phones the whole time but instead they're engaging they're playing with them they're giving them piggyback rides and we left that night and my little daughters were like they didn't say role model but it's like they wanted to be like those girls then we show up at church the next day and guess who they see serving in children's church those girls and they said dad that's that's the that's what i want to do can I do that when I'm older? I said, this is a church that's doing it. This is a church that is raising a generation of warriors of grace and truth. And that's the tribe I want to be part of. That's where I want to use my gifts. That's where I want to leverage all that I have to help this tribe keep moving forward. I also had a, a time when I first stepped foot in this facility before I had my family here with me. And I walked into this building and I just looked around. This building's like brand new. And it was just like, oh Lord, I know you're already using this place, but it was just this visual of like a launch pad for a rocket, you know? Like we're not gonna veer to the right or the left, but if we just keep going in, in the direction this church is already going with the momentum that we already have, this facility is just ready to go. 
And, and I want to say thank you to those of you who've made this room possible and this building possible and the unstoppable vision possible. And I want to say thank you. And I want to say thank you because this physical building is really symbolic of the spiritual health that's here and of the true community that's actually here. And I want to say thank you for what you've done. And I want to say, please hang on for the ride because we can't get where God wants us to go without you. God is the one who's done miracles here for the last 31 years. And God doesn't plan to stop. God's got another generation. He's got another 30 years of miracles to do here if we will keep him our leader and if we'll keep his word our guide. Well, we can be confident because God's our true leader. Next, we can be confident because God will be with us. He'll be with us now just as he was in the past. He'll be with us. So uh, some of you may have this happen if you have kids or grandkids. When you lay down with them at night to, you know, bedtime routine, sing the songs, pray together. This happens with my kids and whenever I try to get up out of the bed, they put their arm on me. And, and it's a really funny little game we play because I will lay there waiting for them to fall asleep. And I'll be sure they're asleep and I'll move an inch. <laughs> so a few nights ago, I was laying down with Jack, our eight-year-old. And uh, Jack said this. It was a really cute inter interchange while we were laying there. He said, Dad, do you know how much I love you? And I said, how much, buddy? He said, uh, you know that picture downstairs of you holding me when I was a baby? Yeah. He said, well, when I'm 42, I'm going to have that on the wall of my bedroom. <laughs> I plan to hold him to that. <laughs> if I'm still around. Well, later as he started to fall asleep, he said, Dad, fall asleep right next to me. And we did that little thing where I kept thinking he was asleep and he kept grabbing me and he finally said, Dad, I, stay here next to me all night. Dad, I want you to stay here all night. I want you to be here next to me when I wake up. And as he said that, I just thought, isn't, isn't that what God, our Father, wants to hear from us? Isn't that he loves us so much and, and he just wants us to insist on his presence? And you, whatever you're going through in your life right now, and us together as a church, we can be a people who say, no, God. <laughs> We can insist on his presence. There's a story in the Bible where Moses does this to God. He puts his arm on God just like a kid in full confidence says, God, you're not leaving. I know you love me. You're not leaving. I'm not letting you go. It's in Exodus 33. And in fact, it's a verse that God gave me about nine years ago when he was calling me out of journalism to be a senior pastor. And it was this little church up in the mountains. And every time my wife and I would drive from Phoenix area up into the mountains of Arizona, we would pray this verse. Because in Exodus 33, God says, Moses, here's my people, you lead them. And at the time, God's kind of upset with the people. And he says, I'm not going with them, Moses, you lead them. And Moses looks at the people and he looks at himself and he concludes, I don't have what it takes to lead these people. And so Moses says in Exodus 33:15, he says, God, unless your presence goes with us, don't send us up from here. John Dickerson translation. God, if you ain't going, I ain't going. <laughs> and as a pastor's kid, that's what my wife and I prayed when God first called us into ministry. God, I, I know the spiritual warfare is intense. The stakes are eternal. The weight is heavy. I can't do it unless you come with us. 
And so unless your presence comes with me, and I mean it, I'm not doing it. And God's presence did go with us, and that church thrived. And you know what? It continues to thrive since God has called me away. Why? Because the chief shepherd hasn't changed. It was a church built on Christ as the chief shepherd. And as my wife and I have prayed about Connection Point and prayed about raising our kids in this tribe and using our gifts with this tribe, that's been our same prayer. God, unless your presence goes with us, because I know I can't do it in my strength, but I know that he who called us is faithful. And if we keep him the chief shepherd and his presence is with us, he'll continue to do miracles here just like he has for the last 30 years and so God promises us this in verse 5. No one will be able to stand against you, for I will be with you. I just love those words. I will be with you. It's because of God's presence that we can be strong. It's because of his presence that we can be courageous. You know, Steve and I had lunch on Friday, and uh, he and I are both so looking forward to just continuing to grow our friendship and both to learn from each other. I've got a lot to learn from him. And while we were at lunch, I said, Steve, can we compare shoes? <laughs> Sounds like an odd request. It is an odd request. And you know what? We did, and, and I verified it. I cannot fill Steve's shoes. <laughs> he has bigger footprint than I do. And, and it's true that I, I can't be Steve. You know, uh, as some people say, when God made that one, he threw away the mold. Right, Steve is just so unique, and I know I can't be him. But I know that I can be who God has made me to be. And I know that the job of the role is to connect you all to the chief shepherd and to teach the word of God well. And I just want to say thank you, and, and please give me a shot, even though my footprint's a little different. Give me a chance. I love it that God says to Joshua, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. God's the one who provided the manna in the wilderness. He's the one who provided the water and the streams in the desert. And he said, just like I gave Moses the power to do supernatural things, I'll give it to you if you'll keep me the leader, if you'll insist on my presence. Well, I grew up in Michigan, and I uh, grew up cheering for the University of Michigan. But, well, you know, don't, don't get too happy yet, because I married a girl from Ohio, and uh, first date, I show up, and her dad has the Ohio State flag waving. And I kid you not, in football, Michigan has not won since. <laughs> so at the staff meeting, one of the staff members said, hey, which Big Ten team do you cheer for? And I said, thank you for that non-controversial question. <laughs> I mean, couldn't you have just asked me to solve some theological dilemma? That would have been a lot easier. So I told them the truth, which is this, you know, living in Arizona and California, out there everyone's cheering for like Arizona State, University of Southern California. And so really I've gotten to the point where I cheer for any Big Ten team because they all remind me of home. So now I cheer for all of them except Ohio State, <laughs> right? <laughs> he's, he's coming for me. Oh, you know it. So I grew up in Michigan, and uh, we had this uh, place we would vacation every summer. I have three older brothers, and there was this big lake with these old log cabins, and there was a, a river that emptied down by waterfall into the lake. And uh, one day we were at this waterfall. We're doing some fishing and just kind of having a picnic there. 
and my three older brothers are there. They're all like athletic jock guys. And one of them decides at the very top where the waterfall goes right over the edge that he's going to like inch his way across to kind of show the river who's stronger, you know? And it looks, the water looks really peaceful, right? Where it's going over the lip, uh, the very edge of the waterfall. So I remember I was on the riverbanks at the top chasing a bullfrog or something. And I remember, I think it was eight or nine years old, looking back out of the corner of my eye and seeing him inch his way across, thinking he's probably going to make it. And then I hear this whoosh noise. And I turn back and he's just gone. So I run down, the the waterfall goes down about 15 feet into this pool. And all three, uh, my two other brothers, we all gather around there and we're looking in this pool. The water's pounding down and my brother's not popping up. If any of you are a youngest and you grew up in a house where there weren't enough bedrooms for everybody, (laughs) I'm a sinner too. You may know what I was thinking, and that was uh, if he doesn't pop up, I hope I get his bedroom. But uh, he did pop up, and he was okay. (laughs) He's a great guy. He's actually an elder at a church a lot like this now. But my brothers and I, we will never again underestimate the power of moving water. It's a powerful force. It's an unstoppable force. And from Genesis to Revelation, God tells us that his presence and his purposes, they surge through human history as an unstoppable force. Through every continent, every civilization, every culture, every century, God's purposes are an irresistible force that continue to surge forward. And our job as followers of Christ is not to do the work of God, but simply to jump into the current and get carried along by Him. And that's why we insist on His presence. Because if his presence were to leave, we couldn't do the work of God. But if his presence stays here, we can't stop the work of God. God's been in this church for 180 years. Psalm 145 says, One generation will declare your mighty acts to the next. God was faithful from Moses to Joshua. God was faithful from Joshua to King David. God was faithful from David to John the Baptist. He was faithful from John the Baptist to James and Peter. He was faithful from James and Peter to the church in Acts. He was faithful from the church in Acts to 1837 when a little group of Christ followers here in Brownsburg met in a little log building and said, we're going to start a church. And he's been faithful from 1837 to Pastor Steve. And like a raging current, if we will keep Christ the head of the church, if we will keep his word our guide, he will be faithful for another 30 years. And long after some of us are gone, long after all of us are gone. Well, the third anchor that God gives us in a time of dramatic transition is that God's word will be our unchanging guide. And like each of these anchors, this is a choice that each of us makes in our own personal life, and it's a choice that we corporately will make as a church to say, God, no matter how the culture changes, there may come a time when we're called bigoted for believing your word. Time's already here in parts of the country. There may come a time when when we get rights taken away legally because we believe in your word. But no matter the cost, your word will be our unchanging guide for what we do and believe, for what we love and what we celebrate. Why? Because the word of God comes from the heart of God. 
and it leads us to full free living and to eternal life. And, and you can look back at church history. Any church that gives up the authority of this book is just one or two generations away from completely falling apart. And so we will keep God's word our unchanging guide. And we see this in verses 7 and 8 when God says, Be careful to obey the law that my, Mose, my servant Moses gave you. That's the first five books of the Bible. We now have 66 of them. Do not turn from it to the right or the left. If you do that, then you will be successful wherever you go. This will remain our guide, and it's because of this that the core values of Connection Point will not change because they grow from the heart of God and the Word of God, and that is to connect people to God, to love people, to highlight the power of the cross, and to be a lighthouse in a dark world. Well, we don't have time to unpack it, but the text continues into new territory. When God says to Joshua and to us, now, celebrating that my presence will be with you and my word will be your guide, it's time to cross the Jordan River. It's time to go claim some new territory for the kingdom. And I want you to just imagine with me this church, us together as a lighthouse. An already connection point. We are a lighthouse in this community. I mean, you can't meet anyone in Brownsburg who doesn't know of this church and its love for people. You can't meet anyone who doesn't know it. This light is shining brightly. Now, God's allowed me to live at the leading edges of culture for a few years. When I was a journalist, I worked in the mainstream media, and, and I kind of saw that leading edge of culture where the rest of culture might catch up in 10 or 15 years. Last two years, I've lived in the San Francisco Bay Area. Those big coastal metropolis cities like San Francisco and New York and L.A., they, they tend to shape the culture, and then it bleeds into the middle of the country. And, and you know what I've seen living at the leading edges of the culture? I've seen that the world is getting darker, spiritually darker. I've seen that hatred is winning, that Satan is telling foundational lies about who people are and about the word of God and even about what Christians stand for. And in our lifetimes, we're going to see the world get darker. And you know what? If we will keep Christ the main thing, our lighthouse will shine that much brighter. And the vision that God has for us, only he knows the details of how it works out, but it's that this lighthouse will shine brighter and brighter, will become warmer and warmer reaching into more broken marriages to heal them, reaching into more addicted minds to set them free, reaching into more broken places to set them right and heal them, reaching further into Avon, further into Tri-West, further into West Indy, and further around the world, because as the world gets darker, more and more people are going to realize nothing else can fix my heart. And guys, we have it. We have what they need. The church when it's connecting people to Christ, is the only solution for a broken world, and we get to shine that light. I want you to imagine with me Connection Point continuing to provide a home and family for believers. I want you to imagine Connection Point continuing to reach deeper into the darkness to rescue the lost. I want you to imagine us expanding the light of Christ around Indy and around the world. I want you to imagine us raising our children and our grandchildren to be warriors of grace and truth who know that this world's not their home and who go as ambassadors and shine as lights in a darkening world. Can I pray that for us now? 
Jesus, we thank you that the power for this vision is from you. We thank you that it's your unstoppable vision that you gave to Steve and and to those back in 1837. And Lord, your vision doesn't change. Your purposes don't change. And Lord, if we will keep you the head of this church and if we will keep your word our guide, you will carry us along in your unstoppable current. And you will use us to do supernatural things. And so, Father, as a church right now, we come together and we want to declare to you, Jesus, that you are the head of this church, no human leader. We just declare that together. Jesus, we want you to be our leader. We want you to be pleased in everything that goes on here. And Jesus, we declare to you that we need your presence. We need your love, your joy. We just need you with us. And Lord, we declare that we will stay faithful to your word. We'll make it the guide for what we do and believe in our personal lives, in our families, and together as a tribe. So Father, have your will be done in this church. Use us to do your miracles for the next 30 years. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.